Thank you. Hi. Thank you, Linus. My name is James. I'm an adult child. Hi, everyone. Uh, Scarlett, can you please give me a 10, 5, and a 1? That's okay? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your service. So we start the reading with uh, a passage, all right? So my plan is out the window. Um, so before I start the reading, I just want to say something really quickly for my little boy, for little Jimmy. Uh, say a prayer for little Jimmy. Um, that God, we don't have to tap dance. We don't have to, like, run away. We don't have to lie. We don't have to expect some kind of consequence. Right now, it's just an opportunity to just go in the sandbox and just communicate with people being being who I am and just pray that you don't abandon me as my loving parent and then just hold me help God help us out so we don't have to uh pretend to be somebody we not and all that crap thank you amen um uh yeah you know so the passage I'm going to read is from page 438 uh and uh, self-love. Uh, so I'm just going to read a few passages. And, you know, um, self-love, as we understand it, does not eliminate pain or the need to try harder in circumstances. ACA recovery is challenging, but the rewards are immense. We must put forth effort and feel the uncomfortable feelings that might come. At the same time, the goal is self-love and knowing that we are good enough just as we are. This is an ACA paradox. We do not have to earn self-love, but there is effort in the process of claiming it. Self-love, as we know it, offers more than mere self-esteem. There is much more. There is self-love that is expressed as conditional love. In this realm, self-love illuminates our perceptions and we view ourselves and others in a new dimension. We recognize a new spectrum that transcends language and trauma. We, we recognize the light in ourselves and others. We realize that everyone has a heartbeat. Everyone counts and has spiritual gifts. And page 49 in the second paragraph, self-love is typically a result of working the 12 steps, going to meetings and changing destructive behavior. The realization of self-love seems to come after we have done the recovery work and, and then reflected upon our changed thoughts. We know we are on the path of self-love when we avoid acting on that one self-destructive behavior that guarantees isolation in our lives. Um, the value of sitting with uncomfortable feelings can be lost or unwittingly pushed aside by supportive friends. You know, um, so yeah, just a few passages of self-love. Um, yeah, so just want to welcome newcomers quickly and um you know i started coming to aca consistently the first uh monday morning of november 2014 i went to the 5 45 a.m bridge meeting uh uh that saturday the lady i was dating uh met with me at whole foods on the upper west side and broke up with me um that was the night of the bill w dinner dance in new york city too and uh that week before we went to Austin, Texas to the uh, Austin Film Festival. And um, that week she just like treated me like shit, like shit, like, like shit, like dirt. And um, I remember calling my sponsor at the time in Al-Anon, who's a woman. And 
she said to me, no one has the right to abuse you. And at that moment, I was saying to myself, what the hell is she talking about? Abuse? Who's abusing me? Nobody's abusing me. Um, and then she said, what kind of self-love act can you do right now? And I think in Austin, it's 6th Street or 8th Street or whatever number street. And I looked inside. There was a bar and women working the bar. And like the World Series is on. I mean, on playoffs or whatever. And I went in there and I sat at the bar. I don't drink, but I sat at the bar and ate some some uh, food and uh, took care of myself. Um, and um, from that first meeting, 5.45 a.m. in the morning, uh, that Monday morning, I just heard people speaking in a way that I never heard before. And there was someone who I had saw at a party about two or three weeks prior to all of this happening, and she was telling me she goes to ACA. So anyway, um, that morning after that first meeting, I immediately called the person that was sponsoring me and the program I was in and said, I'm going to find another sponsor. I just instinctively broke up with that sponsor. And, um, you know, um, it's just been a journey since. And so long for most of my life, I've depended on you to tell me who I am. Like, I depended on that. Like, I depended on that. Like, Ten minutes. Like, thank you. Like, uh, you know, like, uh, like we need oxygen, you know, and uh, just a little bit about my story. Uh, I learned here for the first time I was able to really share my childhood losses without consequence. My childhood losses without consequence. You know, so my childhood is different from your childhood. It's like DNA, you know, and it took me a very long time to get here to share my story, my childhood, in a vulnerable way. And um, my mother was 15 years old when she had me. Uh, she was She was addicted to heroin when she had me. And, uh, you know, um, my dad was 17 when they had me mm -hmm. and they both were, were shoot dope. And uh, my father died with a needle in his arm when he was two years old. Um, so I never really got to form a relationship with him. And um, my mom, when I was eight years old, I tried waking her up from a heroin overdose and she didn't wake up. So, yeah. Uh, And little Jimmy was devastated from that day. A um, lot of confusion, a uh, lot of mixed messages, just loss, um, so much trauma. Like, that was the most important relationship in my world. Like, she was a heroin addict to other people, but to me, she's my mother. She's still my mother, actually. We communicate. And um, that just rocked my world. I remember this police officer. He was a tall officer, blonde hair, blue eyes. I remember him. He's tears in his eyes. Your mother has gone to heaven. And I said, can I go too? And he said, no. So it's just really wild. I think I, I was just lost and hurt and left to like process that. And by the time, um, and then it was like, I'm growing up and <coughs> just so much like violence. Um, I was like dangerously exposed, like so much like people walking around, like watching adults have sex and 
like a, like a little boy that's just by himself on an island. Um, and by the time I was like 11, 12 years old, I just started like running the streets, like going to movie theaters, like watching Pam Gria, 11 years old and 12 years old, getting high, watching Pam Gria, Foxy Brown, and she would show her nudity, you know, and they would let us go watch this. And it was just bizarre. And like Times Square, 12, 13 years old, three karate movies, smoking weed. And by the time I'm 14, 15 years old, I'm like, I'm full-blown addict, selling drugs, uh, 15 years old, smoking crack, selling crack, carrying a pistol, you know, um, 16 years old, you know, nearly tortured and beaten to death, hot water thrown on me, like literally inches away from dying, literally. And like this, this drug dealer, he's like, he's in Colorado, ADX Max now, whatever, he came through the door and said, leave him, we know him. And he saved my life, but he's responsible for like so many murders. So it was, it was just lost. I was just looking for protection and, you know, in and out of therapeutic communities, teenager, speech at the White House, <laughs> tea with the president of the United States, crack house, just like I could never find a home. Like, I just kept moving. Um, I'm very, very lucky. Like, I'm super lucky in a lot of ways. Like, not to have a felony record, not to be fucked up out there in the streets and escaping the cycle, like, vicious cycles of, like, a lot of outside issues kind of, like, infiltrate into people's lives that grow up looking like me. Not to get into all that. So... You know, smart little kid. I remember speaking proper English to a friend when I was like eight, nine years old. And he was like, who the F is that sounding like a white boy? And I remember like, yeah, I like that little, that little, thank you. That little expletive racial epithet went that way. It's like, I just started changing who I was. Thank you. I heard you call it. And uh, early on, I just did not want to be who I was. That's it throughout my life. And relationships, please. Uh, no, like, there's no chance. I would, I, I, I never knew how to date. I never, like, I left a lot of sex on the table because I didn't know how to date. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't know how, I was just scared. I left a lot of, but I look back. I left a lot of sex on the table. Not saying it would have made me better, but when I look back, I'm like, wow, like uh, I gotta grieve all of that. So there's a lot of grieving. And I was actually speaking to someone today. He was six or seven years old when I met him. I used to take him on to sober trips with us when we used to go away from New York. And he's in prison now. He's 21 years old. He's in prison. And I was speaking with him earlier and I started talking differently. And he was like, man. I'm trying to watch the profanity and all that. And you know what I said to him? I said, you know what? I'm trying to fit in with you. You in prison, so I'm trying to talk and connect with you. Here's this young man in prison, like teaching me. And I just like welled up when we were talking. And this mental space is so powerful. This little, this little, this young man is in prison, 
locked up 24-7, and this mental space is like on next level. And what all I, what this all points to to me is um, this whole process has been self-love because nobody ever, 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 or maybe they didn't have the capacity to teach me to love me how I am right now, right now. No one ever taught me that. It's always some kind of hustle, some kind of angle, some kind of I got to do what I got to do. No one said to me, you are okay. And if they did, I, I didn't have the, because this disease of the family illness has plagued me so hard. I think I, want, it's, I think it's somewhere like page 286. I think they summarized it and I heard it in a meeting recently. Um, I need a spiritual awakening which creates a personality change that breaks the grip of family dysfunction on my soul. So family dysfunction on the grip of my soul. Damn, damn, damn. Uh, my life is jam packed, super full with a lot of colorful stuff going on. A lot of stuff, you know, um, As a result of learning to love myself, I started doing that here. And what I started to do is started doing things for James. Started going on trips by myself, started going to the movies by myself. And when I say by myself, I mean with little Jimmy. I started going out the country with little Jimmy. I started doing stuff the little boy would wanna do. And I kid you not, every time I would do things like that, puddles, puddles of, puddles of tears, of joy, Around this time last year, around this time, going to the University of Maryland to a basketball game, I went to St. John's, a commuter school, but I never had that college experience of like big college. I love sports. Little Jimmy loves sports. And just watching the people play the, the band play, watching the cheerleaders, watching the game, having great seats. Little Jimmy likes to be as close to the court as possible. I remember like- uh, One minute. Thank you, the Brooklyn Nets coming to Brooklyn you know, buying season tickets, going to the basketball games and, you know, traveling, uh, centering recovery trips around, recovery, going to different meetings in different states and ACA. Um, learning to, to do things for me and not for you. Learning to like take a real risk and be like, you know what, I'm so, I don't know how to be honest. I don't know how to be myself. So I'm just going to take a chance and slip and slide over, slip and slide all over the place. You know, um, uh, I didn't want to go on dating websites. I didn't want to go on Tinder. I wish I could have a business meet, business meeting and hustle the meeting to get my way. It doesn't work like that in the business world. So I had to go on Tinder with who I am. I couldn't do it like I make a motion and shit like that. I had to go out there and just date. People would recommend it to me. Thank you, and I just rap, and as a result, I created space to meet a wonderful woman who's my wife. We're having a baby, you know, I'm becoming a dad in recovery with little Jimmy and another child with a wife who really loves me, that really loves me for me. I don't have to tap dance for her. I could just be vulnerable, but that space was created within me first. You know, maybe to show up for my nieces who are doing exceptionally well. I just rap.
Just give me about 30 seconds, please. Um, you know, just want to just, this is acting up. I'm an adult child and my regression can be subtle. And I learned, and you know, all I know how to do is sabotage my relationships. And I'm just trying to do that less and continue growing. So I just want to say welcome to the newcomer. And uh, yeah, thank you.